Um, well, here we are with Andrea Learned. Thank you so much for joining Bike Talk today. Um, oh, I'm super Andrea, excited to be here. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, and Andrea is the founder and loudest amplifier of the hashtag Bikes for Climate. I sure am. <laughs> I can tell you the short story of that, and we can get into more of it later. But I was working deep in climate action in 2015 during the Paris Agreement. And what kept coming up was that cities were going to have to be the biggest thing in this climate action fight. And then I was like, wait a second, they're really not talking about bikes very much. And I'd been a bike rider for like 20, a city, an urban bike rider for like 20 years. And I just thought, you know what? No one's doing it. I'm going to make bikes for climate the tag. So I've had it for five years. And that's the story of the origin story of it. So tell us about why are bikes so important if you care about climate change? Well, they're really important because the IPCC, they came out with basically the top four things that we could address given this horrible situation we're in with the climate, which I now don't call climate change. I call climate emergency. It is an emergency. We have less than 10 years. So climate emergency. There are four key things that we can address. One being transportation. Um, the other being things like agriculture, land use, energy. So those key things, and you will note that you hear a ton more about renewable energy and clean energy, and that's the biggest, loudest thing that everyone seems to talk about with regard to climate emergency. Transportation is there, but as you and I will discuss, it ends up being, oh, let's just switch everybody to EVs and we're good to go. So that's kind of where I am. And I just, my frustration is that we don't see the we go to the shiniest bullet and we don't just strip back all the like tech and innovation and all the fancy ways that people can make loads of money on this and just go, oh my gosh, if we could get way more people to ride bikes, that would make a difference in climate change. And then the other thing I wanna address that maybe not, we won't go into detail a lot here, but that is not only am I proposing that we get more people riding bikes, but I'm proposing that we get more last mile delivery by bike so that, for example, in a city like LA, this doesn't become a kumbaya moment of let's all get people biking and wouldn't that be great, especially if they, we didn't kill them. Um, but this is a business thing, right? The more we can get this infrastructure out there for people to ride, the more we're gonna get the whole city situation operating so that we can have bikes doing delivery and such. I, I couldn't agree more. Um... So in terms of the new research on, on transportation and EVs, can you help us understand what's going on with that research? I think what ends up happening is everyone's excited about the investment opportunities in EVs. That's where all the money's going to go. That's what all the tech bros like, et cetera. I mean, this is more of a cultural thing. So then the research is there. So everyone's just saying EVs are going to be the thing and no one's really looking at what's an even simpler solution and do we really need two cars per household etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's the scaling back and it's a very very unsexy solution <laughs> that we're offering and that's why no one's looking at it no one can make a whole bunch of money on it and that's why that's what's really bothering me so it isn't from from my perspective and i'm out to be clear i'm a communication strategist and kind of a leadership platform builder in the climate action space who is possessed with bike riding from my own personal side. And so my whole thing is it is a communications problem and we need to be pressuring political leaders and some key influencers. And by influencers, I don't mean movie stars and so on. I mean, influencers who can influence this change, you know, by making decisions differently. I want to go back to what you said about it not being sexy. I think that is, it's so interesting that there isn't money to be made. 
and bikes. <laughs> I mean, there is, we can, you know, e-bikes, et cetera. But I, the, the irony of it is that I do think when everybody's biking, they look great. <laughs> well, yeah. And everyone's so much happier. You would think, I mean, given all the stuff that we watch on Twitter and just that we know, everyone that rides their bike to get around is so much happier. Then they can be more productive. Then they, maybe they'll buy more of other goods, right? Like maybe the investment potential is not direct. It isn't that we're all going to buy the hugest car known to man and never talk to anybody. It's that we buy this bike and you know what? We can be marketing $10,000 e-bikes. If, if that's what these big spenders want, that's fine by me, right? So if, if the investors need to go, we need to get a whole bunch of investors like you need this $10,000 e-bike, you know, or e-cargo bike, they can get that and they can start to feel sexy and sort of hip for having one of those. And it will trickle down, right? No, the rest of us don't need a $10,000 e-bike, but whatever it takes, it's almost like the Tesla effect, right? So Tesla's, you know, when they first started coming out, it was only the famous movie stars that got them, you know, and then, and then everyone was like, and then they were trying to make them more accessible and the price was better. And then, then people started to go, oh, I guess I'll buy a Nissan Leaf, you know, like it wasn't. And so whatever it takes to get these guys, and I will say that it's going to tend to be guys um, interested in sexy e-bikes or e-cargo bikes, we'll do it. And those fancy, hugely expensive status and positioning tools, right? It's all about who's the coolest person, who's got the, who's the first one on the block with the $10,000 e-bike that exists. We can play with that. We can leverage that and it will be all for the good because there's so much more we can do trickle down to the average Joe and Josephina riding their bike around Seattle or LA. And why do you think there's such a resistance from, I mean, you're in this world of trying to influence elected officials to put in safe bike infrastructure. What do you think the resistance is? The resistance is, I think for so long, they're just money from uh, fossil fuels and car, car, you know, industry people and all that have been kind of funding all sorts of things and funding people in Congress or in state government who make the decision. It's just embedded. It's so embedded that they haven't even thought of it. The other thing is that it is the status of we haven't even thought of that, right? So it's like, well, this is the way it's always been done. I mean, this is what I see in my work with NGOs too. It's like, this is the way communication strategy is always done. And this is what we've always done. And it's like, wait a second. In one way, I feel like I enter into a lot of these situations and go, but why? But why? I'm sort of the annoying two-year-old. You know, it's just like, but why are we putting, you know, why do we just immediately fund? Okay. So for example, I don't know exactly what's happening in LA, that's your area, but in Seattle and other places I pay attention to, it's way easier to get funding to expand highways. Right? I don't, why when day after day after day in LA, Seattle, New York, everywhere that we're watching, people on bikes are getting killed. More people say they want to ride bikes. And then the city and the state just decide to expand highways. I don't understand that. So there's no one's, no one's saying two plus two is four here at all. And I, I don't, I can't explain what that is, but I think that I have an idea for pounding a couple people over the head, you know, and influencers with like, if you tried to ride a bike for like a week or a month of your life to get from your house to your job or whatever, you, if I swear to God, if I could, if everyone could be convinced or helped and supported to ride a bike for like a week, a couple weeks, a month in their life, it would change everything, right? It would change the way they drove. It would get them, start to get them interested in a bike that they would want to buy, all that stuff. I don't, so we have to, my approach is to look for who the influencers are. 
and and find them and kind of get them nudge them to ride a bike and to experience this because then they'll see things differently and they will make different decisions and they will listen if there's say for example there's one person on a transportation research committee you know working with the city who keeps kind of bringing up e-bikes and e-cargo bikes but no one's listening to them right we need the mayor to have ridden an e-bike once, right? Or for a week or have this experience to be, to hear the word e-bike and to have it come into the whole sphere of what you're making a decision around. It's, an, it's a new thing that's so obvious and so easy and so not hugely expensive that no one's taking it seriously. It's, it's amazing. So, and you have a theory of change, right? About how we can get elected officials to kind of start seeing this. I have a theory of change and this theory of change works for a lot of stuff that I'm talking about. And, and the idea is that, I sort of alluded to it before, it's that this exists. What if we picked a couple of super resistant mayors or super resistant political leaders or, you know, um, yeah, political leaders or mayors or city council people or whatever. And we were just like, hey, and it was all above board. It wasn't a sneaky, it wasn't like, we're gonna come back at you, but it's like, you know what? We would love for you to try an e-bike. Where do you live? We will help you. We won't, you know, we won't record it. We won't take pictures, we won't whatever, but we would like to give you an e-bike to, to ride for a month. We'll give you the safe route. The first week we'll have somebody ride into town with you so that you, you're quote unquote safe, right? We'll do, we'll sort of guide you into this. We want you to experience this. And then we wanna get your feedback. The, the thing that I'm talking about, I think that you're, you're wanting me to mention is this idea of name and fame. And so the idea is to name and fame those leaders that are trying this. The reason that I know that this works is anybody can just Google Anne Hidalgo, the mayor of Paris, and be like, well, she gets a lot of good press. I, you know, I wonder why. The woman has just been like, here's the deal. We're going to switch. We're going to change things. We're going to get rid of parking. We're, we're not going to expand roads. We're going to put bike lanes in. Like she's just done it. And so it's political will and she's getting famous and you've got to wonder. And I would think that a lot of mayors are jealous of her. And so my point is you appeal to the human, the base human of these leaders, of them wanting to look cool, of them wanting to look innovative and to be seen as like the hip mayors when everyone talks about mayors. I mean, I swear to God, this is as basic as it is. And so we've got the mayor of Paris. We also have, again, a woman mayor of Montreal, Val Plant. We've got, um, I mean, those are the two that I can point to a lot. They're women. Again, I've got a lot to say about that, but they're just like, this is, this is so obvious. We're going to do it. Meanwhile, we've got a lot more mayors or council people or parliament people or whatever in the EU, you see them riding their bikes all the time. They get such good press. If you're watching bike Twitter um, in Europe, all sorts of people ride their bikes without helmets in their little suits, you know, to get around where they're getting around. We don't have any of that. We have a mayor of New York City who gets in a huge black SUV and is driven to the YMCA a couple miles away. Like, what is that about? We have, I went to the, um, I was at the Global Climate Action Summit in San Francisco in fall of 2018. And I went there specifically that there was a bike ride, you know, sort of a, a bike ride around the town to get a feel for their infrastructure. And it was just, as I'm standing there at the entrance to the event, the conference and stuff, it was just lineup of lineup of lineup of just black SUVs, because it's not just one person. If you're a fancy leader, you gotta have three in a row. I don't know. And this is a climate action conference. 
So I've had it. But so, the, so if you have like one or two mayors that are going to those events, those big global events or whatever, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to take the bike share. We need to make a story about that. We need to name and fame them for that. We need them to go, that was really fun. I can totally see how that, and then get them to try it when they go to their home. Like imagine the mayor of LA was at that event. I'm sure he was. Um, and then rode a bike share to get around San Francisco for that event. And then was like, oh, you know, and then you, he, there's enough of an intrigue or an interest where it's like, you know, we want to help you ride your bike. And, and this is the other thing about LA that you can speak to. Everybody lives so far away from where they, you know, the mayor probably lives, I don't know, 20 miles or something away from where his, the office might be. I don't know. But to help figure out those routes and to help carry that behavior a little bit more from having these experiences. But if you, if we named and famed a couple of mayors that were at that Global Climate Action Summit for riding bike share instead of getting into those huge black SUVs every time, we could have done a lot with that. We could have gotten media coverage. We could have, there's all sorts of stuff we could have do. So this whole idea of naming and faming and creating kind of a content package about that. And again, not doing it to like shame them and come out behind, you know, come out behind and have tricked them in any way. Because what you and I know, and that anybody on bike Twitter knows is that once you get someone to ride their bike a little bit, they're just like, oh my goodness. I'll give you an example. I have a, the, my neighbor across the street is this great woman, but she exists in a, you get in your SUV and you drive to the fitness studio. You get in your SUV and you, and we, it's not, this is, we're not talking mileage. It's like three miles, you know, but she sort of existed like that. I kept sort of going, I'm off on my e-bike. I'm going on my e-bike. I kept doing that. Right. And then she, and then she has a, partner or a boyfriend who wasn't as fit as she was, but kind of wanted to like do things with her. And she's like, I'm thinking of getting him an e-bike. And I was like, that's a great idea. So she finally gets him an e-bike. And then she's like, she was like, I got one too. You know, so she just got it. And then she was like, oh my God, she's like, I'm not going to the fitness club. I'm riding my bike down to the beach and which is really close and doing workouts with my friend. Like the, the way that you convert someone is, is really easy. If you give it a teeny bit of intent intention. And she's, wow. she's jammed. She's totally psyched to be in my little club of people going, e-bikes are great. Oh my gosh, e-bikes are great. So, and now when she sees me riding my e-bike and she's getting in her car, she feels guilty. It's, is a, it, it's, a thing. it's a thing. Is it safe? Are the bike, are the, is the bike infrastructure safe enough up in Seattle? Well, no, not for people who are novices. So literally I have to go with the people that I've converted. I have to say, listen, on weekends, I'll, come, I'll meet you somewhere that you feel safe getting to like a coffee place, whatever. Then I'll meet you and I'm going to show you a, another route. Like this is a route if you want to go downtown and we do a nice little route. Like I have to sort of handhold them. And that's because we don't have obvious and good infrastructure and we haven't been, and I will say, we also haven't communicated. We haven't even communicated the stay healthy streets with COVID. I was in getting lab work done and I was talking to the nurse there and she was just like, you rode your bike. You, you know, you get that all the time. Like people are like, oh my gosh, you know, and literally the hospital where I was doing this was like a mile and a half away. And I was just like, yeah. And I go, it's a lot better now with these stay healthy streets. And she was like, what are those? <laughs> They've been around for nine months. They're there. They're, we're trying to get them in as many neighborhoods as possible, right? With COVID. And they're generally one street off of a main street, you know, and it's just like, she had no idea. The messages don't get across there. I am influencing people one at a time mm -hmm. and the messaging isn't work. Now, if, if the mayor of Seattle was out there going, these stay healthy streets are amazing. I rode an e-bike down the one in 
Greenwood and I rode a e-bike down the one in and mentioned another neighborhood and mentioned all these streets and got some press for that, then maybe this person working in the lab would have heard of that. And, and at the end of that news story would have said, go check out Stay Healthy Streets if you also want to walk and bike safely during COVID. Like they're just not doing a good job thus. And they think that not enough people want to do it. Well, oh my gosh, as soon as these streets came out, people were like, I don't know what you guys saw in LA, but it was just like all of a sudden the streets were full of people and parents with walking with their kids on bikes. It was incredible. It has been amazing for people to realize that the, the speed of the cars is what's ruining our neighborhoods. And if cars move slowly and safely, you know, you can, you just, everybody's out walking. Yeah. And then the other thing is I think fewer cars and SUVs and whatnot were taking roads as cut-throughs, right? They were going out to more arterial roads sooner. Whereas I've seen cars here just drive down these residential streets as a pass-through. And right, it's right. like, and so I think that once people have walked and ridden bikes with their kids and done that, even on a stay healthy street, they're a lot more aware of it when they get on a regular street again. Seattle is such a green city. Why do you think it's been hard even in Seattle to get bike lanes? Wow. I, I mean, there are people that go to all, I mean, there are people on bike Twitter that go to these meetings. I can't even comprehend it. I think when we talked earlier, my, my work tends to be a little bit broader, but it is frustrating looking at Seattle. Um, you know, they'll say that they are, right? So they'll, they'll and, and they'll say that they are, and they've gotten more people on transit and they've gotten more people. And there are good people that are working and excited to announce new bike infrastructure and whatever. And so they will say that they are, and maybe they are now, but it has taken so long and we have been pressuring them for so long. It's not even funny. So that's the thing. And when you get a mayor out there talking about climate change, the mayor of Seattle and anywhere else, probably LA, we'll talk about EV, meaning vehicle, cars, trucks, SUVs. We are going to electrify everything. We're going to get electric fleets of trucks and da, 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 da. And it's just like no mention, no reference. And, and then in COVID, what happens, right? All the bus lanes are canceled. All the buses are canceled. All that, like, it's just, they just are operating in a world where everyone owns a car and is just dying to own a car and they don't see traffic congestion. They don't see anything. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't, they're not getting enough. They're not. I also think that they think bikes are a niche. We are this like groovy little niche and we're sort of annoying, sort of like hippies. Right. And I, I, the more that people who bike are seen. So for, this is another way to do this name and fame stuff. So say there's like, you know, right. Imagine this in a dream world, Jeff Bezos rode his bike to the office in Seattle. Right. Imagine that. Let's just, can you even, I mean, the look on my face, I'm glad this is a podcast, but there's just no way. But imagine if he was like, oh, I totally get climate change with the need for climate change or whatever. And I, and he, where he lives or where he used to live when he was married with his kids is totally doable in a really fun way. And it would be his workout for the day. Right. Right. You know, and it's just like, or what if, you know, the head of the Gates Foundation, which is in downtown Seattle, they probably live out in a fancier neighborhood. Like, what if we could get them to ride an e-bike? Well, that would be amazing, right? So it's, who are these influencers and who, 
who are the Chamber of Commerce or, or the city policy leaders or the state, who are they looking to as influencers? It's not the people that we think are famous, but it's the people that they're listening to with the money who have companies that have jobs. And are you seeing anywhere in the country where there's a mayor who is, or leaders who are doing this? Well, I, I, I'm hearing hints that it's being done and I don't know super well, but I have friends in Austin, Texas, right? So it seems like something's happening there. Um, also, of course, I used to live in Portland, Oregon. And again, people in Portland will complain that it isn't happening fast enough, but they are it, they're in, they have a lot of infrastructure. And I think if you landed in Portland and just went to visit, you could see bike lanes and kind of maneuver your way around pretty easily. It's sort of like when I went to Vancouver, Canada, just, I don't know much about it, but I took my bike and I was like, oh, it was pretty easy to like see the signs and to get around and whatever. So Portland, I think does pretty well. They're not happy. They're not going as fast as they want to. Um, I also know that the mayor of Madison, Wisconsin herself has uh, rides her bike for transportation, if not every day is, has visibly done it and taken a picture of herself doing that. And then I also know, I've had conversations with the woman who is the sustainability director of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I know that they're really working on it. I think she might have a lot to do with it and she's fairly new in her role there. And so I would also say that looking at the urban, it's an organization called the Urban Sustainability Directors Network. The, there are a lot of people that are in that role in various cities across the US that are chunking away at making change. This stuff takes a really long time. I feel like we've got some fresh perspective and really passionate people in these roles now. So I'm hoping that they'll leverage this, you know, this unfortunate but opportunity that we can leverage coming out of COVID. I think that that there are certain of these and and I think the point there that I would make is it isn't it's too frustrating in these gigantic cities, right? So New York, LA, San Francisco, we're just it's just we're always the story, the big big cities. And I'm including Seattle in that even though I know we're a baby city. But the big cities are always the big story. I think there's a lot more to be said about college towns or cities that are that size, you know, the size of Austin, the size of Madison, the size of Ann Arbor. I think we should be looking at those cities and looking at those mayors. And again, I'm gonna insert here that a lot of the mayors that are doing the most work are women, or there are really interesting women council people that are sort of making the point and pressing this point. You have a theory on why that is? <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing that we haven't gotten into is my deep background. And I come out of a background of marketing to women. Hear <laughs> about it. I wrote a book about marketing to women and the point isn't, again, it isn't kumbaya, women are the greatest and women are the only thing that are gonna change the world. It's look at the way women tend to think and make decisions and all of that. I mean, look at uh, Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. We all wanna move to New Zealand, don't we? Right. <laughs> and there's no, yes. white, there's no white male leader in the United States of America that would ever lead the way that she's led. She's got political will, out the gazoo and just keeps making these great decisions. So I did deep research into marketing to women, not to help sell goods themselves, but to understand how women make decisions. And, and then I got a master's degree in really looking at corporate sustainability leadership and, and how people in those roles, VP of corporate sustainability are making these decisions and what were the key things, kind of the key traits of how they made decisions or how they were leading. Turns out I only talked with men and they all 201 came out and said, oh, it's, there's a lot of psychology and there's a lot of empathy and there's a lot of, you know, all these things are, that are considered soft or women's ways of leading. 
Those are the things that you emphasize when you want to lead through sustainability or social responsibility. So that all of that applies to why I'm seeing women ride bikes, right? They like the community feel, the way that you get to know your community. People just don't understand this if they're in their SUV. The way that you understand your community by riding the five miles into work and you stop at the local store and you get to know this neighborhood and you get to know that, like, that's incredible. And, and women are, I don't know, women are brave or I don't know what it is, but they do that. And then they're also like, this is about community. They will understand all the elements. It's about health. It's about community. It's about local business. You know, that's a myth that local business is harmed by people riding bikes. We see your store. We see that it's open. We see the hours are open. We see that the door is open in the summer. We, people in cars and SUVs don't see a thing. So local businesses have this huge myth that bikes are bad, bikes are good. So yeah, women, the way women lead and the way they pay attention is something that a lot of leaders could learn from. And I think a lot more, if we elevate that and we name and fame the way that women lead, then more male leaders who have those same traits would leverage them more because they need to be rewarded for making decisions that way. And we have not been in this culture. How did you come up with the hashtag bikes for climate? And it's bikes number four climate, right? Yeah. Well, I was working for a corporate, a corporate sustainability, an organization that was really focused on getting more corporations to sign pledges towards the Paris Agreement in 2015. And a lot, and so I was sort of in this UN mix, right? And seeing all these different campaigns and da, 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 da. And one of the campaigns that you may or may not be familiar with is Cities Number Four Climate. And that's a C40 Cities campaign. And I kept seeing that and kind of having to work with that that year. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, as a long-term you know, urban biker, I was like, we need to do one that's bikes for climate. I wonder if anyone's doing bikes for climate. And so I looked around and I was like, someone's gotta be doing bikes for climate <laughs> and, no, and no one was doing it. And so I was just like, oh my God. So I just was like, I'll just do it. Like, what else will I do with it? Maybe it's just gonna be this year. You know, I wasn't like, but meanwhile, I've been doing that for five years now. And it's interesting because it was just, uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but research by Costa Samaros that, with uh, Carnegie Mellon, Mellon, sorry, that just came out or fairly recently came out. And he talks about, and it's interesting because as we were talking, EVs aren't going to do it, right? So his article talks about the time to really convert every car, I think, to EVs in like, was like 15 years ago and we didn't do it. And now it's too late to do that. We're never going to meet the Paris Agreement because it was too late to convert every car to, to being an EV. And so he's arguing that it's got to be a combination of transit and then the last mile, the micromobility piece. So e-cargo bikes, e-bikes, et cetera. And so this research has come out saying we're too late. You know, we were talking about it. I was doing the tag in 2015 and then here we are. Did you read that, that Costa Samara? Yeah. 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 It has a great Twitter thread and it's exactly what you're saying. And it's, it was, if we wanted EVs to solve our transportation problem, this was the last year that you could sell internal combustion engines and we're nowhere close. And just to be clear, EVs are necessary. We need 100% electric vehicles, but it's not enough because we're driving more. And we have to get the transportation sector under control if you, we wanna stop halt, slow climate change, slow the worst effects of it. And the solutions, it's just amazing. It's like, it's right in front of our eyes. 
Well, and, and then to have uh, campaigns that still exist, like C40 Cities, doing the cities for climate stuff. There's women for climate that are a lot of mayors and sort of big leaders in that. There, there are climate mayors. There are all these little organizations. Some are global and some are US focused. And to have them all sort of pussyfooting around and just really focusing on EVs this whole time, right? And to be backed by you know supposed research and to be really, this is their thing, right? And they're funded by big philanthropy and whatever. It's, it is amazing. That, that, that not, not a lot more was made about that. And there is a piece of that kind of back from the Paris Agreement days, there was a campaign that was started called hashtag EV100. So it was again about corporations signing on to really go EV, you know, 100% EV. Um, and, and, I, and I've kept asking like, are you, is, are you e-cargo bikes and e-bikes involved? Like I'm the one who's sort of nudging everybody. I'm not the one, but I'm one of a couple of people that just keeps nudging. And, and I, as much as I want to use the name in fame for people that are really doing this, I'm, I'm also to the point where I'm naming and shaming, you know, to a point it's like, what are you guys doing? EVs aren't the silver bullet, name and shame until you start looking at bikes. So I emphasize name and fame, but sometimes the name and shame um, is something that you've got to do because they're just, they seem to not be getting the message. I'm glad that Costas Mars came out with that research. And I hope that that's really leveraged and I'm definitely going to leverage it more myself. E-bikes feel like they're just now entering the consciousness. I mean, is that the technology improved or that the style of like Van Woof, right? The, these high-end bikes are coming out. What do you think it is? I, I think what you've said, again, you and I live on a, a coast where a lot of things are sort of determined by what the tech bros are going to, you know, or what the VC and they're going to usually be men, right? What's going to excite them from a status or positioning perspective? And I think you are right. Unfortunately, it wasn't till there was a van move or there was any fancy sort of e-cargo bike that, that the the people who would be the influencers on that were like, oh, right. And then they thought they could be cool if a picture was taken of them with their Van Move or whatever. But meanwhile, you know, there's a company based up in Seattle called Rad Bikes and they, uh, it's an accessible price and a lot more people obviously in Seattle have been buying them because it's sort of a hometown um, company. Um, and then, you know, bikes that are a little bit more expensive than that, that a lot more of them use Bosch batteries, I think. But those are the ones that a lot of the, bike, the e-bike shops are um, really selling a lot more of like the gazelles, you know, sort of in that general price range. And so it's an underground thing and it seems inaccessible and not enough storytelling, not enough of a good communications campaign um, has been um, put out there about these. Um, I will say also from my marketing perspective, each bike brand themselves wants to be, they don't like the competition. So they don't necessarily go all in for a sort of a PSA or an ad council style thing, right? Where they all contribute to a coalition that's just like, oh my gosh, e-bikes, e-cargo bikes, they're more accessible than you think. They're da, 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 da. There are so many messages that could be coming out if they had banded together. And what is the term? A rising tide lifts all boats, right? They should have been like, oh my gosh, let's put some money into a big, you know, a big pile and we'll all do PSAs about how great e-bikes are and it will say, it'll serve each of our brands. They didn't do it. No one's done it. Well, they can, right? It's not too late. They can. <laughs> I mean, I, this has been something that I've been sort of working around the side on and they do not seem interested in doing stuff like, excuse me, doing stuff like that. And so I, 
now would be a really good time. And again, as we were saying about the research, it's a little late. Um, and, and now we've got a culture where it seems like, oh, you know, e-bikes and e-cargo bikes are so fancy. I will say in too expensive for me and whatever. And we're not, you know, we're starting to see incentives to help people buy e-bikes, you know, more people buy those in certain states. The regular people who don't own a bike shop and aren't um, in marketing just, you know, but feel passionately about climate or bikes or all the reasons we want people to bike. What can we all do? Well, I think we can leverage this name and fame thing that we've been talking about a little bit here today. And that is whatever. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Not to say that you've got to have a bazillion and a half followers in order to make it matter. But I think you should be you should be speaking out about how great your bike is. Not my bike is so great, but oh my God, I love my e-bike. I rode it to the doctor's office today. You know, like sh demonstrating on Facebook, occasionally showing pictures. It's what we see on bike. I mean, bike Twitter is full of these stories of people. And you, and then when you see someone mention that they just got an e-bike, you don't just pass it and go, that's great. You go right into a comment and go, that's so great that you got an e-bike. Isn't it great? And then you amplify the party and the love up, and then you make more people see that it's great. So it's, it's, raise your voice, amplify your voice, find other people who are trying it out for the first time and support them in raising their voice and make it a love fest. It's not, it's not, and make it accessible, right? So if someone was like, I love e-bikes, I get to, I mean, I use bike share all the time, right? I'm in a city that I use bike share or there's an incentive for bike share. Like don't make it about having to go buy the fancy one, but it's a love fest of anybody who gets to use an e-bike in any way elevate and amplify that. And then I will say, because at this point, we've got a great thing going on bike Twitter. And I'm out there saying, from my own account saying, listen, if anybody wants to leverage bike Twitter, let us know, right? We're, we're ready. So we all can be involved in making sure there's a bike Facebook or a bike Insta or a bike whatever that can be ready on a dime. If some campaign, some say some PSA campaign was developed, wouldn't it be amazing if they're like, we're just going to seed it out to bike Twitter, bike Facebook, bike Instagram, and you guys can just rock it. That, that's what we can do. We can lay the groundwork. We can build our platforms. We can build social love and we can outreach and say, great job. I'm so glad you had an e-bike or thanks for posting that about the e-bike or thanks mayor, whoever for riding an e-bike publicly, get out there and think visibly on whatever platform you're on and build up that social capital that we can leverage later. I love it. What for, for, for people new to bike Twitter or new to either bikes or Twitter, can you define, tell people, tell us what bike Twitter is? Well, the thing is, is that bike people on Twitter find each other. <laughs> and so, and because you realize that I think what ends up happening is people end up tweeting really about kind of the top three things that they care most about. Right. So I do a lot of plant-based food transition stuff and, you know, all related to climate action. And I have dogs and I'm a KEXP music fanatic and all that stuff. So it comes very obvious. And then you can put in your profile and your Twitter profile. And if the same would apply for whatever platform you're on, right? You could put, I love bikes or I love to ride my bike. Like put that in your profile copy. Bike people start to see each other. And then you, like I was saying, you love up other people's sharing about bikes and then 
they, you recognize, oh, oh, you're on bike Twitter too. And then just use the phrase, use the Facebook, bike Facebook or whatever, use the phrase and start to make it a little bit of a club and a hashtag. And then that's, that's really how you, how you find and build community. And even if you aren't connected with everybody all over the place, I mean, I'm mainly, I'm super connected to a lot of North American people, but I'm more connected now to a lot of Canadian people because I found someone in Vancouver, Canada, who's heavily doing cycle logistics and I got involved in that. And then via that got very connected with a lot of people in the EU. And so it's very easy to grow your fun connections. And again, it's all about loving up. So if you're friends with somebody in Connecticut, who's a bike rider, you can leverage that person in Connecticut for your your community in LA and say, Susie in Connecticut's riding her bike to take her kids to school. Like it's all content that we can leverage. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be so city specific. So it's super fun. Once you start tweeting or sharing about biking and being really enthusiastic and passionate about it, you will find more people and then you can leverage that. You have like 14,000 followers, right? I have 16,000 followers. (laughs) (laughs) And that you guys, that has been building, building since, really Paris since the climate agreement, because I figured out what this was. And it is part of my work that I help organizations figure out how to develop a platform so that they have something to leverage when they need to, right? But they're not, the thing is, is that I wouldn't recommend that we keep hammering on this all the time, but that we build love in this community. And then we look for the moments, key moments to leverage it. And that's what I really even advise to my clients. I have a theory that's called the learned 5L theories. And it's that you, if you're on Twitter and I believe that this would work on any platform, first you get on the platform and you listen, which is you're kind of monitoring the conversations. You know, you're listening and learning and kind of getting like the feel for it and going, oh, there are like four or five key people that, that are on this platform, you know, really enthusiastically talking about biking. I'm going to be really watching them. So listen, learn, and then love up. So the third L is love up. No one else does it. No one loves up. They don't think to outreach. They don't think to say that is so cool. Or thank you for posting that. They don't reach out to strangers. What I'm saying is reach out, thank strangers because we're all in this cause together. So the loving up piece, no one does. And then once you've done that, and that's all background work, and that's all great work, even if you don't ever leverage it, but ultimately you can leverage that. That's the fourth L, but you can leverage that at key moments. So say, for example, right, we've got Pete Buttigieg, who's, you know, now up to be transportation secretary. Think what we could do with bike Twitter. We could love up Pete. We could thank him. We could create some campaign where we get him to ride his bike, you know, to work in DC and we can make a big stink about it. Like that would be a moment to leverage. So, so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So the five L's are listen, learn, love up, leverage. And then the fifth one is lead. By doing all that, you're leading and you yourself become an influencer. So I will say that having 16,000 followers is not any big, it's not a lot, but it's all people that know me for my, what my interests are and my passion are and know what I'm curating and they find value in that. So the 16,000 followers I have are really high value because they will take action. And imagine if each of us built up a platform of even, you know, whatever, whatever the number is, if you build up a really solid platform of X number of people that you can probably leverage at key moments, that's amazing. And that's all that I'm working towards. Everything you're doing is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I, you, can, uh, you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice, but I, 
I biked a little bit when I was a kid, but it wasn't until I moved as a young adult to Portland, Oregon, way back when. And, and literally a friend that I was in kind of, I was working at a wood shop and he was doing, he worked at the shop that painted the furniture and we lived in the same neighborhood. And he was just like, why aren't you riding a bike? And, and I was like, oh my, cause I was like taking the bus or driving a car. And I was just like, I hate driving a car. And I, you know, the bus was too dependent on schedules. And he said, ride a bike. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I went and I bought an old bike at like the Goodwill and it was sort of a piece of crap. But the next day, the chain was horrible, right? It wasn't in any shape, but I rode it into work and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a life changer. So that, I'm so passionate for that. And, and the other thing is that I do, I've never worked at a job very much. So I've been a self-employed consultant for a while. So I do ride in for meetings and whatever, but I just have sort of become a one woman, like this is the greatest thing, right? And riding my bike for short trips. So it's the perfect, my passion for it is amazing. And then the thing that's interesting now is that with my deep work background and looking at how women lead and women make decisions, now being very clear that women mayors are the ones that we could really get to change the world. Like it's full circle. So I love the stuff that I do and, and I love teaching people how to build these platforms and leverage them. It's just, it's like all my natural stuff all in one. So I'm in heaven. Well, I'm crossing my fingers and knocking on wood that you're able to leverage this up so we get protected bike lanes everywhere. I think it's so important and it will change so much. It will change so much. And I, I'm, I, I, I want to seed it and I want to help and I want it to be a name and fame right? It's a positive thing. It, 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 we can name and shame people and I will do that. But I aim to have this be, I aim to have this be a name and fame because <laughs> we, this love thing, right? To refer to love is this soft and mushy and whatever thing. But I, hands down from what I've seen that works and now what I, literally what I'm doing for clients, clients that people pay me to do, I say, listen, we got to build this love up. And they just all giggle you know, and then I go, this is, no, I'm serious. And when you have an event that you want to leverage, if you haven't been building any love up in the meantime, it's not going to do anything. So this is the key. And this is the, the thing, this is the secret ticket. And this is the thing that we can really leverage. So I thank you so much for your interest in my work. And I love talking with you. And I hope that we can talk many times again and keep this rolling. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Andrea. Um, and um, I'm sure we will be talking soon. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Lindsay.